everyone uh, to 1 Peter. Um, so 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 we're going to start with. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Aaron's reading. It's good to be with you. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Andrew. I see a few new faces, and um, it's my privilege to be able to pastor here and to share the word with you this morning. And as um, Luke said, we're looking at um, the first letter of Peter for a a little while and um, just seeing what uh, it has to say to us about being God's people. You know, Peter says, you are God's people. Um, And so you could say, you are the church. And that's who we are here. Peter was talking to um, his listeners then or writing to his listeners, but it's written to us as well. And it's also for us to understand that we are God's people and and what might that look like. And last week we began looking at that a little bit and talked about living hope, that hope that's alive um, that we have. We're a people belonging to God. We've been set free from sin through the work of Jesus on the cross. And the people that Peter has written to or he's writing to have heard and accepted and they've embraced this truth. They've... um, the audience is, is some Jewish, but quite a few Gentiles that had become followers of the way. Um, and they've embraced this truth, but for some reason now they're scattered over five different provinces in um, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey right now. And it's not easy there for them. It's kind of tough. They're in a, they're in a bit of a tough spot and get easier for them. Yet... 
And Peter's done that. And we talked about that last week. Yet they are God's people, which is no doubt a comfort to them, as we saw last week. It's no doubt he starts with that comforting message that you know, you've been given a living hope. You've been given a living hope for an inheritance that is never going to spoil or perish or fade. It, it's set aside for you. It's kept in heaven for you. And what's more, you're being kept on earth on your way to there. So it, no doubt they were comforted by that. But Peter goes on because it also means that they have a call to be God's people. Yes, you are God's people, but I'm going to call you to be God's people where you are in such a way that it will bring glory and praise to God. And the same message is for us as well. We are God's people too. We might not be scattered over five provinces of Turkey. You know, we're scattered around the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, which might be just the same. But as God's church, we have that same comfort. As God's people, we have that same comfort and the same call. And as we wander through Peter, we're going to have a look at what that call looks like. Last week, we saw the wonderful way that Peter starts his letter. He reminds them, like I just said, that they have a living hope for an inheritance that can't be taken away, it can't be affected, it can't be lost. It's kept in heaven and what's more, God is keeping them or uses the word guarding them as they journey through life towards that inheritance. So he's kind of reminding them that it's a win-win for them. It's, it's there in the future. That, that's a win. That's in the bank. That's an inheritance in the bank. But it's a win here too because he's guarding you here in the midst of it all. But Peter knows that they're struggling too and, and that the struggle is going to go on. So he wants them to be encouraged but also empowered by the truth as he begins now to teach as we wander through the first letter of Peter. But it was a great way to start, right, last week? Who doesn't like being encouraged like that? I mean, most of us do. Though in our reading today, Peter begins with a therefore. And you know what I say when that happens, don't you? If you see therefore, you need to ask what it's therefore. You know, he begins with a therefore. So I've told you all this. Considering all of God's past, present and future work in salvation that, that we've just spoken about, now that I've reminded you of the truth, now that I've given you perspective, because clearly some of the struggles they were under were sort of robbing them of perspective, now that I've given you perspective, it's time to pull yourself together, get focused, stay focused and live this out. And Peter can, will get and does get really practical in helping us understand that and helping his listeners understand that. He begins with, therefore, preparing your minds for action. And, you know, we read through that and we think, okay, well, that's, you know, therefore, preparing your minds for action sounds innocuous and it sounds pretty ordinary. But I had a look at what that is in the original language. In the original language, the word preparing, is, it, we've translated preparing, was gird your loins. How many of you do that every morning? Not girdle, ladies. Gird your loins. And actually, it would have read like this in modern day language. If we were to translate gird your loins, it would have said, tuck your robe in your belt so your legs are ready for rapid movement. That's directly translated what it is. So prepare your says tuck, you know, because men wore robes and it was kind of difficult to run. I mean, you get that with ladies. With, I mean, do you like running in your skirt? Not really. So you tuck, you know, you don't tuck your skirt in your belt and go running, you know, you don't don't do that. But that's what it was, that was it's gird your loins was tuck your your robe in your belt so your legs are ready for rapid movement. So he's he's right out the gate saying, this stuff you, you need to you need to move. There needs to be action here. It's time for action. 
And then he goes on, and if I was to summarise um, verses 14 to 21, it would go something like this. Don't live the way you used to live before you were saved, when your life was about serving yourself. Rather, as obedient children of a holy God, be holy too. After all, he's the one that once said, you shall be holy for I am holy. That came out of Leviticus 19 and they would have remembered that um, from when they were, were taught in the Old Testament. And if you're going to depend on him, that father that saved you, if you're going to lean on him, then behave in a way that respects him while you're here in exile. Remember, you were rescued from a futile way of life. He talks about futile way of life. The life you came from by something really costly and really precious. And that's not just gold or silver. It's not stuff you have on earth. It was Jesus' blood. And this Jesus, he was promised before creation. And he was revealed to you for you. So God, by God, so you'd be saved and you'd have hope. So he's basically saying, guys, under pressure... Don't fall back into your old life. This new one you've been given cost a lot. And the call is to be holy. And so he's not kind of mincing words right at the start, isn't he? There's no gentle start here that, you know, Peter just brings out the big guns. And it's almost, I don't know what it sounds like to you, but the more I read it, it was almost sounds a little bit like maybe just a little manipulative, like, guys, you know, you owe God when you read it like that. You know, he did this for you. You kind of owe God. You know, it's kind of like, it wasn't cheap, so don't ruin it. It's like your dad when he gives you one of his tools, or maybe you've never had that, or when you've had something and he said, that's not cheap, you know, don't mess it up, don't, don't break it. I did many times. Don't wreck it. And the truth is we do owe God, but Peter isn't manipulating. He's calling them to be holy because it's the best way to honour and display him to the world. Remember last week where we talked about, he talked about this living hope was what was going to empower them to bring praise and glory to God in the place, in exile, in the place that they were. And Peter is calling them to be holy because this is going to be the best way to honour God, but also for the world to see what God is really like. You know, holiness is one of those words that gets used a lot in Christian circles, doesn't it? Um, 10 or 15 years ago, I could be out with my ears a little bit, but 10 or 15 years ago, it was, it was a thing. There was what they call the holiness movement. Anyone ever read or hear about that? You know, and out of that came um, books, um, songs were written. You know, um, you might remember the song that went something like this Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness is what you want from me. That was kind of like a, a song. Does anyone remember that or am I really old now? Yeah, I see, I see a hand. Thanks, Scott. No. And the thing is, this movement drifted into a movement that was behaviour-based and defined by the absence of sin, um, defined by purity and, and making covenants and, and lots more things. And, and it was a bit of a reaction, perhaps, which is often what happens with us as humans. And some of the things that came out of that. How many of you remember a book that was written called I Kiss Dating Goodbye? Anyone ever remember that book? Yeah, no, no, there was a few more. It wasn't just you, you know. So, there's a... And that, that was one of the things that came out of that. The whole sense that you, you would not even kiss the person you married until after you'd said I do at the altar. That there was this whole, there was this whole drive to holiness that set these, all these kind of 
standards or ways of behaviour or things to prove that you were holy. And it was almost like self-flagellating, if you like. And that was the kind of movement it drifted into. Now, these behaviour things were not unimportant and the motivation might have been good. Because, you know, the danger in not talking about holiness is that we start to preach cheap grace. You know, the, oh, it's okay. You know, you can do this. The boundaries can sort of flex those elastic boundaries. And, you know, this, this is okay because, you know, after all, God loves everybody and, and God wouldn't do it. You know, all that. and that was the other side that came out of it. Yet on the other hand, the danger in overly focusing on holiness behaviour, really, is that we start to become legalistic. So when we read this, when Peter says, you know, be holy, you know, be holy in all you do, live holy lives, how do we understand holiness? We know how to define holy, and only a month or two ago we we talked about being set apart, being assigned. Uh, We understand that whole concept of, of being set apart and what being holy is. But how do we understand holiness in the context of what Peter's calling us to stop sinning? Is it to work really hard to root out any negative or impure things or breaking bad habits or or things that you you fall into time and time again or these tendencies you have or these thought patterns you have or the way that you work or the way that you treat your your parents or your your spouse or, or people around you or... Is that what holiness is? I mean, you can go like this or this, you know, you can whatever. And, and you can sort of sit there thinking, no, he's just leading us into a trap, so I'm not doing anything, you know. What if it's not so much stopping something, but becoming someone? What if holiness is not so much stopping things in our lives, but aspiring, becoming someone. Of course, part of that is getting a command or a control over sin and habits and things that aren't right in our life. But what if holiness is not so much what we can't do, but rather what we can do and what we are? What if it's aspirational? What if it's more rather than less, more of something rather than less of something? What if it's not necessarily only what we can't or shouldn't do, but rather what we can do and who we can be. Different way to think about it, isn't it? Because we're not conditioned to think in the positive. And I want to get the kids down for a minute. I'm going to do a bit of a kids talk right in the middle here. I'm going to do a bit of an example. So if I can get the kids down to the front, I'm going to interrupt your colouring, guys. Come on down to the front for me. Big ones, little ones, whoever. Come and, come and have a seat there, guys. Yep, you can sit there as well. I've been ordered not to move the pulpit too far because I've been told that there's a shadow on my face, so I've got to stand right here. I've been reminded, right, Brad? Yeah. So are we all here? We've got everybody, all the colourers and everybody. I don't know if you... Huh? He's here. I don't know if you were listening or not, but we are talking about 
Holiness. Have you ever heard of that word before? Have you ever heard of being holy? When you hear that, what do you think? What does it mean to be holy? Socks, that's possible too. (laughs) Scott, you've got some uh, work to do there, buddy. I don't have a movie quote. (laughs) I'm lost. So could it be to be good? What does it mean if, 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 if God is calling us to live holy lives? What would, is that to be good, to behave, to do the right thing? Yeah. What if I imagine, if I, and I don't really, but just imagine if I had a problem with stealing stuff. Is that wrong? Yeah, I saw your eyes. That's bad, isn't it? What if I had a problem with stealing stuff? Oh, yeah, you can shut. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I can do the shuddering thing stuff. And yet I'm thinking, God wants me to be holy. What should I do? Should I just, should I stop stealing? Yeah? Yeah, yeah? Yes, I should stop stealing, shouldn't I? But what if it was more than stopping stealing? What about instead of stealing stuff from people, I actually became someone who gave stuff away? Would that be better? So instead of seeing your chocolates there and thinking, I might nick them while he's not looking, I should give you my chocolates and be generous, right? Has he got chocolates? No. Oh, he hasn't got chocolates. Oh, then he'd get more chocolates. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But then he'd share them with you, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course you would. Who, you know, we we got in the corner and we we saw... um, we, we saw David here and a couple of us got over here and we were picking on David and we were saying bad things about him together and we were all having a bit of a laugh about it. Is that a good thing? No, it's not, is it? And then we think, oh, we should be holy. Should we stop doing that? Should we stop saying, laughing about David and picking on him? But what else could we do? What we could do is we could invite David to come and be part of our group and be nice to him. Wouldn't that be better? Do you feel better now, David? Not only did you get the extra chocolates. So when God asks us to be holy, he's not just asking us to stop doing bad things, you know, stop talking back to mum and all that sort of stuff. He's asking us to be better. And being better means looking more like Jesus. The problem is that we often hear negative stuff. You know, like, guys, don't touch that. You know, don't touch my, you know, my phone. Don't touch my special thing. Go and, you know, don't leave your room in a mess. Don't get up late. You know, don't forget to bring your jacket home from school. That was my one. I lost, I don't know how many jackets. And my son went on to live the legacy. <laughs> and we hear all these things, don't do this, don't do that, don't we? Instead of, instead of hearing what we could possibly do, God wants us, when he calls us to be holy, he wants us to hear what we can do and not what we can't do. Now, I've got an example, and some of us have... I've done this once before, and some of us know this example, so you have to keep it to yourself. I need two volunteers that are pretty quick. And I reckon you're pretty quick, David. You come and stand up here with me. And um, who who else should we pick? Should we pick Piper or someone like that? Or Calista. Calista, come up here. I've got... Come on, come up here. I've got a... Plan. Do we think that these guys, do we think that these two guys are pretty good? I need your help here. Come on, let's, let's pump their tyres a little bit. Because he's got runners on and they're runners too, technically. So 
They're pretty fast. I reckon you'd do pretty good. And I've got something for you to do, all right, that I reckon you can do. And we all reckon you can do this as well, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you guys to, in a minute, just wait there. I'm going to get you to stand outside the door here, right? Okay? And then we're going to give you, we're going to be generous. We're going to give you 12 seconds, right, to come back in the room but you can't walk through that door, walk through that door, or walk through that door. That door's open. All right? Do you reckon you can do it? You can try. All right? But you've got to get back in this room, but you can't walk through that door, or walk through that door, or walk through that door. Right? So come with me. Come outside, and we're going to give you, we're going to give you 12 seconds when I say go. You're not allowed to cheat and run early, right? Because I've seen that face. All right. One, two, three, go. Ten, eleven, twelve. Fail. Should have picked better ones, shouldn't we? Huh? What you? I can do it. I'm going to show you how I can do it. Okay, Are you waiting for your brother? He's just, he's nicked off. He's gone to Macca's. <laughs> he's climbing. Is he? Where, they, seriously, are they? Huh? <laughs> we can wait patiently for them. Anyone got any idea? Do you, do you think that was too, too difficult? No, you could have done it, couldn't you? No, you just have to open, like, all the gates. And then you can... We are... Come up, stand up here, guys. We are clapping you, but I need to tell you that you guys are failures. You need to open the gate up there. Because that was... We did. Now, do you reckon it was impossible? Do you reckon it was impossible to do? Yeah. It wasn't. Can anyone tell us what they could have done? Yeah. I said don't walk through those doors, but I didn't say you couldn't jump through or roll through or run through or... <laughs> do you notice, and for the big people too, do you notice how we only hear what we can't do to the way that God speaks to us? Thanks, guys. If I had chocolates, I would give you some. <laughs> I say your parents should give you parents. You can go back to colouring now. Thanks so much for listening and being part of that. Well done, guys. You can sleep in tomorrow, Callista and David. I can say that. You guys can deal with that. So holiness, and, and this is really important for us to understand. When Peter calls us to be holy, holiness is not a negative word. Holiness is so much more. Holiness is not just an appropriate amount of sin avoidance. It's becoming an increasing measure, in increasing measure, passionately pursuing of God's virtues while living in this world. Holiness is becoming like God. God is generous. God is impartial. God is faithful. God is merciful. God is love. God is humble. God is pure. God is just. Holiness is a call, it's an 
invitation to become someone that makes people sit up and say, wow, so that's what being a follower of Christ can look like. That's what Jesus is like. That's what holiness is. It's being like Jesus, whose, whose, goodness, who, Jesus, whose goodness drew people to himself like a magnet. And um, the Edward Clowney, the guy that I have been reading, the commentator that commentates on Peter, said it like this. There is a marvellous simplicity in holiness patterned on God himself. It does not require encyclopedic grasp of endless directives and prohibitions. It flows from the heart and its key is love. To be holy is to love the Lord our God with all heart, soul, strength and mind and to love our neighbour as ourselves. We imitate the love of grace that saved us, the love of God's compassion poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You probably need to read that a couple of times, but basically that's what he's saying. It's not this endless, it's, it's actually loves. And this gives us a hint as to how we're to pursue holiness. How do we pursue that call to be holy while remaining connected to our culture, while speaking into our culture, while dealing with the current realities that our culture gives us? It starts in here with God's people, the church. And that's why Peter goes with it first. We pursue humility and love. That's the fruit of holiness. It's becoming people of earnest love. He says there, love one another earnestly from a pure heart in verse 22. And we know that Peter wants his, God's people, he know, Peter wants the church to be the influencers of the... We know that he wants the, them to be drawing the outside in, to be drawing unbelievers to faith, causing praise and glory to God. And earnest, genuine love, or in the NIV it says love each other deeply from the heart. Earnest, genuine love was countercultural then, already, as it often is now, isn't it? But this would point to a better way of life, a better way to live. And of course, we're going to see that Peter, how Peter sees it play out in wider society. We're going to see later on how he talks about submission to authorities and, and how they're to behave in the society they are. But it has to start with God's people. It has to start in here. Have. So holiness in, in this setting and the setting that Peter was talking about calls us to become like someone. And like Ed, Edmund Clowney said, to imitate someone. And how do we imitate? Well, for sure it involves things like stopping some of the behaviours, like I said, and, and it can involve stopping you know, the way we treat people sometimes, the way we are with people. But it also calls us to aspire to love each other deeply in the body as a people belonging to God. And that's not always easy, is it? Because we're different. You look around you. Everyone's a little bit different. Everyone thinks a bit different. Everyone comes with a different set of imperatives in their life. Perhaps a different cultural background or behavioural practices or even religious practices. It's not always easy to love each other deeply. 
But I'm sure it wasn't easy, even, it wasn't easy then as well. If you think about the, diff- the Gentiles that, that he might have been talking to, they had come from all different places. They weren't all just one Gentile bunch with one culture. They'd come from many different cultures, all different walks, all different levels. And there was a, a lot of judgment and, and lack of grace, their cultural traditions and their habits. But Peter says, our love must not fail under pressure. It must be based on that same imperishable seed, salvation, that we've been given. So our love must endure, just like that imperishable inheritance endures. Our love needs to match that and endure. It needs to be dependable. Now, there must have been some stuff going on, because in chapter 2, and that's why we read the first few verses of chapter 2, he begins with another kind of therefore, except this time it's so. So, you know, I'm, I'm telling you that you need to love each other deeply. So, he lists off, put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. So here's how you love earnestly, even right here amongst God's people. There's some pretty heavy words there, isn't there? Such as malice. If you want to know what malice is, it's spite or animosity, or bitter feelings that you might have. Put away deceit. We know that one. In this original language, it involved things like cheating and trickery. Maybe there was some of that going on. Maybe they weren't sharing the chocolates. Hypocrisy. In the original, that's sanctimony, pietism, and pretense. Envy and slander, we know those ones away. Those ones as well. He's saying, put those away, put those aside. And it kind of sounds heavy, doesn't it? The start of chapter 2 is really pushing in there and saying, if you're going to love each other deeply, put this stuff away. It's clearly an issue and it might sound heavy. But these things can exist in churches, can't they? Just like they can in the world. And perhaps they did in the church there. And perhaps they do in the churches today maybe not always on the outside you know we smile and we say good morning in churches and with other Christians and in most places maybe they did that there too maybe it's not all on the outside but maybe some of this stuff's in the heart and it affects what comes out holiness is checking our heart for those things because we have all seen how those things can get out haven't we they might be in our heart, but how they can, they can manifest themselves, they can get out in the right circumstances amongst God's people. And we've seen churches disintegrate. We've seen the message of, of Christ you know, end up being trashed in the media because of what's happening in churches. And it has a detrimental effect on our witness. Think of what Peter was hoping these people could do in the, in the provinces they were and how important their witness was going to be. And, and, and together... So that God would receive the praise, that God would receive the glory. That God's name would not be trashed on the outside because of the way they were treating each other. No, be holy. But it's more than that, isn't it? Remember, it's becoming someone. Peter says, deal with this stuff for sure. How tap into the right kind of food. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. Get that right input. Long for input with each other. And that will help you become God's people, the way God desires it. Remember, he says at the end, remember you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
What does it say? If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good, God has done for you, this is what you need to do. He's been good to you. Great motivator. The whole thing ends a little bit heavy. You know, the more I read it, the more I read it during the week, the whole thing is wow. The whole thing ends a little bit heavy. And I don't know about you, but I don't always find it easy to be holy. Do you? It isn't easy, and that's why I needed Jesus to make it possible in me, and so do you. And here's the amazing truth, and here's the motivation we need to aspire to become someone. We already, right now, we learned this last week, have the status of saints aid us, because we've already been made holy by Jesus. We've been made holy by his atonement. We've been called to salvation. Our sins are forgiven, removing that barrier between us and God. And from here on out, our focus shifts away from guilt, because we're now forgiven, to our character. From just avoidance to becoming. The process of becoming more like God is called sanctification. It's discipleship. And in that process of sanctification, there are things that I need to put away or set aside or stop for sure. It does require decisions. For me anyway, and I'm sure it does for most of us, daily sometimes. It also requires a decision on my part to aspire to be better. A greater and better representation of who Jesus is to you, to people around me, so that we can praise and glorify God together but then also to the world around me and the places I find myself and where you find yourself. Does that take hard work and sacrifice at times? Yes, it does. Does it mean I need to put aside my wishes and and my feelings or my offence sometimes or my opinions and and even my desires? Yeah, it does. It, It means that I've got to put aside those things. What's my motivation? What's your motivation for that? It's gratitude, isn't it? A heart that's reminded that Jesus sacrificed and put aside so much for me. Way more than I'm called to put aside and sacrifice. And he did it intentionally. He meant to do it with me in his mind. It was planned he, he, didn't, he didn't sort of situationally get led into it and like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to have to let this go now because, you know, he planned to do that. You see, the cross wasn't, was not an accident. It was an appointment. The cross was not a human tragedy. It was a divine strategy for me and for you. It was part of God's plan before time began. Jesus Christ denied his personal desires and he willingly sacrificed himself on the cross for us because he loves us, then it's certainly not too much to ask for us to sacrifice some personal desires or, or plans or, or feelings for the one who sacrificed his all for us. Gratitude is a powerful motivator and you see that in the way that Peter speaks to them. He reminds them again, the precious blood of Christ. You were saved with the precious blood of Christ. If indeed you've been saved by God. If, if, you, if you're with me when we talked about what God has given, has given you, that inheritance. Gratitude is a powerful motivator to holiness. Only Jesus loved you enough to pour out his lifeblood 
on your behalf. So since he who, who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. So as God's people, the church, you and I are called to holiness. Let's remember that living hope that we've been given, that unconditional love that we've received. And let's love one another like that, fiercely, even when it's tough. And in doing that, let's show the world what our God looks like. The one who took the brokenness, takes brokenness and makes it whole. The one who's worthy of praise and glory. My praise and glory, our praise and glory, and drawing the world into that same praise and glory with, you know, and then where the word says, you know, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. They're not going to do that automatically. We're going to be called, we're called to holiness to be that, to show the world what Jesus looks And it's going to take, it takes a dealing with stuff in our own life. But learning to hear the invitation from God and saying, you be like me, here's what's possible. Let's live holy lives. Since he who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. Let's pray. Word again this morning. We just want to acknowledge um, your greatness. We want to acknowledge all that you've done for us and continue to do for us. Where Peter talks about your past, your present and your future work. We just want to acknowledge that that's true for us. All that you've given us. We want to be thankful that, um, Jesus, your work on the cross was intentional. Your sacrifice was intentional. That you gave your life. You, you shed your blood so that we could be free. So there's room for me to, to step up, to aspire, to, to learn to be like you, to, to model my life after you. Holy Spirit, daily, show us what that looks like daily. And Lord, as we get a grasp of that as individuals, I pray that we as a community, as your people, as God's people, would begin to love each other fiercely, deeply, to praise you together, to set aside the things that, that, that don't honour you and to cause the world around us to do that. Lord, whether we go into Cavell, whether we go into the other parts of the community, or our workplaces, wherever that is, Lord, that we would point to you and cause people to praise you, to know you and praise you. Lord, remind us that we're already, we've already been made holy, that you did all that was necessary. Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm the recipient of that and that we are. Lord, we praise you and glorify you. We give you thanks. We say that you're a good God. And we pray that you would continue to show us what it looks like and what it lives like to be God's people, your people, right here in Scoresby and wherever we might find ourselves during the week as well. We pray that you would do it in us in Jesus' name. Amen.